It's the most exciting episode of the Ben Shapiro show ever. The Democrats finally ditch the faux friendship and go for the jugular with Michael Bloomberg squarely in their crosshairs. Bernie Sanders finally has to answer a question about his like host. And Klobuchar and Buttigieg can't stop their slap fight. So much fun. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, wasn't that fun? All right, I don't know what everybody's waiting months for. For months, these people were hugging each other. It was a kumbaya circle. We were waiting for everybody to attack each other. And then last night, finally, it all broke loose. It turns out that all of these erstwhile friends, these people who love each other and they're united in their shared contempt for President Trump, it turns out they hate each other's guts. And if they had the ability to, they would actually carve out the small intestines of their enemies, and feed them to the seagulls. That's what was happening last night on that Democratic debate stage. And it was glorious and it was fun. It was also unbelievably stupid. The reason it was unbelievably stupid is because Bernie Sanders is the front runner. So naturally, all the other Democrats being complete, utter effing morons decide, let's go after Michael Bloomberg. Genius idea, guys. Genius idea. So Bernie is going to sweep the primaries. Okay, I'm predicting it right here, right now. I will be shocked if anyone wins two other primaries. Okay, I think Bernie is now going to sweep to the nomination. I think Bernie wins Nevada. I think Bernie wins South Carolina. I think Bernie wins California. I think Bernie wins Texas. I think Bernie wins pretty much everything. I think Bernie is not only the clear front runner, I think he is the presumptive Democratic nominee with a majority of the delegates. I do not think this goes to an open convention. The reason for that is because all the other Democrats are complete and utter idiots. They refuse to attack Bernie Sanders. Instead, they train their fire on Michael Bloomberg for some odd reason, who has yet to win a vote. And also, you're attacking the guy in the wrong lane, you dolts, particularly Elizabeth Warren. So everybody's giving plaudits to Elizabeth Warren today. Ooh, Elizabeth Warren. So let me just remind you, yesterday, what did I say would happen with Elizabeth Warren? I suggested that Elizabeth Warren would be this year's performer of the presidential campaign ceremonial Chris Christie Marco Rubio murder-suicide. Right. That's what happened in 2016. Chris Christie was basically out of the race. He needed to dwell in New Hampshire. Marco Rubio was rising. Donald Trump was sitting above the field. And Chris Christie, instead of going after Trump, who was in his lane, decided, I'm going to go after Marco Rubio. So he murdered Marco Rubio on stage and then promptly committed Harikari himself. And both of them were out of the race. But Rubio stayed in and split the vote with Cruz. And so Trump sails to the nomination. Last night, Elizabeth Warren attacked the person in the wrong lane like the idiot she is. Instead of going after Bernie, whose voters she needs to win over, she decided, what if I attack Michael Bloomberg? What if I just go after Bloomberg for no reason? He's in the other lane. Now, it does make you wonder about her strategic acumen, not only because she attacks the person in the wrong lane, but because if Elizabeth Warren had any brains at all, she would have been in the moderate lane and she would now be the chief rival to Bernie Sanders, right? Elizabeth Warren had to make a choice very early on in this campaign, whether she was going to run in the moderate lane or whether she was going to run in the progressive lane. And her choice was basically rooted in who do I think is a more durable candidate, Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden? And she chose Joe Biden. She said Biden is a more durable candidate. He's going to suck up all the attention in the moderate lane. Bernie is a non-durable candidate. And so I will go into his lane and I will take away his support. And for a little while that worked. And then she started to fade. And it turns out that Bernie was much more durable than Biden and Biden fell apart. And you can see the opposite decision made by Pete Buttigieg, who could have moved into the Bernie lane and instead with his Medicare for some plan, moved into the moderate lane and started sucking up attention from Joe Biden. So Elizabeth Warren made the wrong call. Now it's too late for her, but it's not too late for her to scalp somebody in her preferred fashion. So she decided to go after Michael Bloomberg last night. That was amusing. It was amusing to watch as Michael Bloomberg, after a, a really horrible 45 minutes on stage, I mean, his his campaign basically admitted the first 45 minutes, he was, a, he was a bleep show. Bloomberg, after the first 45 minutes, went after Bernie. Bernie was Bernie and had no answers to any tough questions, as always. It is the, the main theme, there's there so many themes of the show. I mean, I, I will say my personal favorite part was the was the tete-a-tete between Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg. Klobuchar, for good reason, cannot stand Pete Buttigieg and shoved him face first into a wood chipper last night, and it was glorious. But one of the main themes last night, and this is going to be a theme going forward, is that Democrats are utterly unprepared to run in a general election because they have been protected by the media. And Bernie Sanders was an excellent example of that last night. People were asked perfectly obvious questions about the record. Like questions I have asked on this program for years that every conservative has been asking for years. And Bernie gets hit with like the most obvious attack ever. And he has no response. Why? Because nobody in the media has ever asked Bernie obvious questions. Nobody in the media had asked Elizabeth Warren obvious questions or Klobuchar or Buttigieg. So last night, all the knives came out. And it basically was knives out, except there wasn't the daughter of an illegal immigrant to walk away with the fortune. There was it was just it was 
It was wonderful. And we're going to get into all of it. Every glorious, vitally bloody detail. We're going to get into all of it. Just one second. But first, let's talk about the necessity for the Second Amendment. So did you look at the Democrats on stage last night and think, man, if some of those people run the country, one of the things that they want to do is violate all of my rights, including my Second Amendment rights. Everybody on the stage last night is a gun grabber, all of them. And this is why I'm a supporter of the Second Amendment. Yes, the Second Amendment exists to protect not only your gun rights, but protect you against a government that would violate your gun rights, right? The right to bear arms protects you against violation of your rights, including the right to bear arms. Owning a rifle is an awesome responsibility. Building a rifle is no different. Started in a garage by a Marine veteran more than two decades ago, Bravo Company Manufacturing builds a professional-grade product built to combat standards. This is because BCM believes the same level of protection should be provided to every American, regardless if they are a private citizen or a professional. Bravo Company Manufacturing is not a sporting arms company. They design, engineer, manufacture life-saving equipment that people at BCM assume that when a rifle leaves their shop, it will be used in a life-or-death situation by a responsible citizen, law enforcement officer, or a soldier overseas. So every component of a BCM rifle is hand-assembled and tested to a life-saving standard. The folks at BCM are wonderful. Their product is wonderful. Learn more about Bravo Company Manufacturing. Head on over to bravocompanymfg.com. You can discover more about their product special offers, upcoming news. They've got everything from parts that you need for your rifle to fully created rifles. That is bravocompanymfg.com. Tons of great product. Check them out right now. You should check out their awesome YouTube videos as well and meet the people who make their products at youtube.com slash bravocompanymfg. Awesome people, great Americans, amazing products. Bravocompanymfg.com. Okay, so let's jump right in. Let's put this off. No longer. So the first 10 minutes of this debate were basically, let's line up Michael Bloomberg and just shoot him. That's that's what happened. Like Michael Bloomberg, they just put him center stage. And then every Democrat got to take a pot shot at Michael Bloomberg. And Bernie Sanders opened it up. He opened it up with the typical Democratic attacks on stop and frisk. Now, the biggest problem for Michael Bloomberg is that he is not Donald Trump. The reason I say this is not because I think that Michael Bloomberg is less rich than Donald Trump or that he's less New York than Donald Trump or anything like that. The reason that Michael Bloomberg's great misfortune is, is to be not Donald Trump is not even because Bloomberg is running in the Democratic Party, whereas Trump is running in the Republican Party. Donald Trump, for better and for worse, many times for worse, but often for better, is utterly unapologetic about who he is. Utterly unapologetic about who he is. Bloomberg could have used a little bit of that last night because every attack that was levied, leveled against him last night could have been brazened out. Right? He could have just stood up to the attack. And later on in the debate, by hour two, I mean, it's like a nine hour debate. By hour two, he started to realize, oh, wait a second. If I stand up on my hind legs and actually defend my record and defend myself and defend my wealth and all of this stuff, that's better than me cowering in the corner before the SJWs on Twitter. But he didn't know that because his advisors had told him that he needed to look like the nice guy out there, which is ridiculous and stupid. So Bernie Sanders opens this thing up being a grumpy old communist. And he's, uh, by the way, you can just add that to any sentence about Bernie Sanders, who is the absolute worst. He's just the absolute worst. So Bernie opens this thing up by attacking Michael Bloomberg, and he attacks him over stop and frisk. In order to beat Donald Trump, we're going to need the largest voter turnout in the history of the United States. Uh, Mr. Bloomberg had policies in New York City of stop and frisk, which went after African-American and Latino people in an outrageous way. That is not a way you're going to grow voter turnout. Okay, so this was an attack that was, he was hit on this several times about stop and frisk. His, his actual response on stop and frisk, he, he, you'll see later, he tries to apologize for his stop and frisk position. He's been trying this all along. His actual answer on stop and frisk should not be to apologize for his record. It should be, we lowered the murder rate. The, the beneficiaries of the lowered murder rate were largely young African-American and Hispanic males in New York City. We did something that is legal and approved by the Supreme Court of the United States. None of you have saved as many black and Hispanic lives as my policies did, so you can shove it. I mean, that should have been his policy all along, right? Because let's be real about this. He's very popular in New York City with black and Hispanic voters, Michael Bloomberg. He didn't have to kowtow to all this nonsense, but he did. And so he looked bad. Bloomberg, for his part, went back at Sanders. And he, he just said out loud what most of the Democrats know or at least believe, which is that Sanders has very little shot of beating Trump because he's an old commie. I don't think there's any chance of uh, the senator beating President Trump. You don't start out by saying, uh, I've got 160 million people. I'm going to take away the insurance plan that they love. That's just not a ways that you go and start building the coalition that the Sanders uh, camp thinks that they can do. I don't think there's any chance whatsoever. And if he 
goes and is the candidate, we will have Donald Trump for another four years, and we can't stand that. So he's saying that out loud. You can see Elizabeth Warren's hand going up because Elizabeth Warren could not wait to jump into the fray last night, desperately vying for attention, desperately trying to re-inject energy into her campaign. And so she was like ready for this, right? This was her moment. And this is the moment she was getting plaudits for. She'll get plaudits all the way until she's not in the race three weeks from now. Okay, because let's face this. Elizabeth Warren is toast. She's done. She has no upside here. Everybody's like, oh, Elizabeth Warren. She finally, finally, we saw the Elizabeth Warren. We've always, she was the leader in this race four months ago, you idiots. And she faded because she's terrible. So last night she got aggressive with Bloomberg and the left likes that. So now she's a heroine again, but they ain't going to vote for her instead of Bernie. And they ain't going to vote for her instead of Buttigieg or Klobuchar or Bloomberg or Biden, by the way, who's still in the race. Dead man though he is, actual human corpse. Okay, so here was the, the much ballyhooed line in which Elizabeth Warren killed Michael Bloomberg. I mean, people actually went into Wikipedia and they edited his date of death as last night and his cause of death as Senator Elizabeth Warren. Here's Elizabeth Warren going after Michael Bloomberg. I will tell you how Donald Trump would have responded to this because Donald Trump responded to this exact same accusation. Okay, and then we'll see how what Michael Bloomberg did. I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. (laughs) Democrats are not going to win if we have a nominee who has a history of hiding his tax returns, of harassing women, and of supporting racist policies like redlining and stop and frisk. Look, I'll support whoever the Democratic nominee is. But understand this, Democrats take a huge risk if we just substitute one arrogant billionaire for another. Okay, so his response to all this was, well, I was, you know, I told a few jokes back in the day. I told a few jokes back. That's not the way this works. So Donald Trump was asked basically the exact same question by Megyn Kelly in a Republican debate. You remember this? No, you've insulted women. You've said all these terrible things about women. And Trump went, only Rosie, only Rosie O'Donnell. And even people who didn't like Trump are like, okay, that that bleep's hilarious. Like, I'm sorry, that's really, really funny. <laughs> so what if Michael Bloomberg had come back and Elizabeth Warren said, first of all, Elizabeth Warren, you're a liar. You're lying about my record, just like you've lied about your own biography. You know, you've just labeled me a racist and a sexist, but you say that you'll support any Democrat, including me. So which is it? So you'll support a racist and a sexist? So is that really what you think of me? Or are you just lying for political gain? Also, you know, you're going to talk about me saying things about women and all, all of this sort of stuff. I would love to see everything that you've ever said. I'm sure that you've said nasty things about people. There are things I've said that I regret. But are we really going to run this race on tutting people like school moms? Right? The media would have hated it and would have gone over gangbusters. Because it turns out that when you stand up on your hind legs in a debate, that's what you need to do instead. Bloomberg played dead every time he was attacked. And, and you, you saw this over and over and over, right? Klobuchar did the same thing. She attacked Bloomberg suggesting that it was very bad because Michael Bloomberg had said that all the other moderates ought to get out of the race. By the way, he's exactly right about this. Klobuchar has no national aspirations. She's done. Buttigieg has no national aspirations. He is done. Biden is going to be finished by South Carolina. Now, everybody was ripping on him yesterday about this memo that went out from his campaign. And the memo basically said, Bernie's going to win the nomination unless there is a consolidation around an anti-Bernie candidate. There's only one anti-Bernie candidate with any momentum and any money. And that's Bloomberg. And he is right. So Amy Klobuchar got very, very angry about all this. We didn't have to play her. But that attack is really dumb. She, she finished her statement. She said, I don't think you look at Donald Trump and say we need someone richer in the White House. Why? Why? Like, seriously, well, I don't understand why that's an attack. Why is being rich an attack? It seems to me that we've had a fair number of very wealthy presidents in the past who Democrats like. Like, FDR was not a poverty-stricken individual. <laughs> I, have, I have a feeling that, that Democrats are just full of crap about all of this. Okay, finally, Bloomberg gets to make the case for why he ought to be president. And his and his take is basically that he is a manager. Not that he has a vision, but that he is a manager. Now, this is not a bad take. It's not a particularly bad take, but it then leads into more attacks on him. So here's, here's Bloomberg defending his the, the reason why he should be president. I'm a New Yorker. I know how to take on an arrogant con man like Donald Trump that comes from New York. I'm a mayor, or was a mayor, I know how to run a complicated city, the biggest, most diverse city in this country. I'm a manager. I knew what to do after 9-11 and brought the city back stronger than ever. And I'm a philanthropist who didn't inherit his money, but made his money. And I'm spending that money 
to get rid of Donald Trump, the worst president we have ever had. And if I can get that done, it will be a great contribution to America and to my kids. So the problem for Bloomberg is, of course, he didn't look like he had any fire in his belly at all until he got to the second hour of the debate. Pete Buttigieg tried to edge his way into all of this by by posing himself as the alternative to both Sanders and Bloomberg, right? He's trying to take that Biden slot. And he says, those two guys, they're really polarizing this clip seven. He says, these two guys are super polarizing, but I, I am not polarizing. I am the unity candidate. Now, as we'll see, Amy Klobuchar later on in this debate, she's finally had enough of Mayor Pete and she just breaks him. I mean, she just breaks him. She just takes out an Easton baseball bat and goes to work on him. <laughs> My favorite portion of the debate by far. Anyway, here was Pete Buttigieg trying to make the case that the two most polarizing figures in the party are Bloomberg and Sanders. Again, he's not wrong. The theme of this, the theme of this show, everybody is right about each other and wrong about themselves. Here is here is Pete Buttigieg. We could wake up two weeks from today, the day after Super Tuesday, and the only candidates left standing will be Bernie Sanders and Mike Bloomberg, the two most polarizing figures on this stage. And most Americans don't see where they fit if they've got to choose between a socialist who thinks that capitalism is the root of all evil and a billionaire who thinks that money ought to be the the root of all power. Okay, he botches the line right there, but it's actually not a bad line from Buttigieg. As we'll see, however, this did not last. This charmed moment for Buttigieg that starts at the very beginning. Yeah, Amy Klobuchar took out a comb, sharpened it, and just went right for the jugular. We're going to get to more of this in just one second. This glorious debacle in the Democratic debate Last night, we'll get to that in one second. First, are you feeling a little unsafe after watching that debate? I know that all those candidates feel a little bit less safe, but are you feeling unsafe because you live in, let's say, California, where the governor of California just announced that we basically have a state emergency thanks to homelessness and their rising levels of street crime, and we've got all sorts of problems property owners have in my neighborhood. Breaking and entering has become a problem. This is why you need Ring. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer. You already know about their smart video doorbells and cameras that protect millions of people everywhere. Ring helps you stay connected to your home anywhere in the world. So if there's a package delivery or a surprise visitor, you get an alert and you're able to see, hear, and speak to them all from your phone. As a subscriber, you have a special offer on a Ring Welcome Kit available right now at ring.com. I got Ring devices all over my property to make sure that that ring of security does exist around my property. I'm paranoid about security. And by paranoid, I mean people are out to get me. And that's why I have Ring security devices all around the property. It is a good idea for you to do the same. This this kit includes a video doorbell and a Chime Pro, which is just what you need to start building that ring of security around your home the same way I have around mine. Go to ring.com slash Ben. That is ring.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Ring.com slash Ben. Okay, so the stage has now been set. As I say, what all the candidates last night should have been doing was attacking Sanders, not Bloomberg, because Sanders is the front runner, lest we forget. Sanders is leading by 10 points in the national polling. He is leading in Nevada. He is now even in South Carolina. He is leading in California. He is leading in Texas. Sanders is your leader in the clubhouse right now. And if Democrats keep going at each other, Sanders will be the nominee. And instead, they, they launch like the softest attacks ever. The only person on the stage, again, credit to, to Mayor Pete for at least having enough political awareness to know where he's supposed to be at the right time. Mayor Pete can't dunk politically. Like he does not have the capacity to dunk, but he knows where to be to get the rebound. And 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 that's smart, right? I mean, he, he knew where to be in sort of the Democratic lanes. He knew to go into Biden's lane and not into Sanders's lane, for example. And he knew last night that Sanders was the threat for the nomination, not Bloomberg. And so he tried to knock Sanders a little bit, but he did so with like the dumbest possible stuff. Like instead of just bashing Sanders over and over on being a communist, instead, he decided to attack him for being mean which is the wimpiest thing ever. The weakest attack on Bernie Sanders is that the Bernie bros are mean. That sort of stuff is just weak tea. It really is. Because it turns out that when you have lots and lots of followers the way Bernie Sanders does, some of those people are going to be jerks. Okay, so Buttigieg tried this anyway. This is clip 10. So Sanders was asked about, why are your supporters so mean? And Buttigieg wouldn't let this go. He wanted to make it that, that Sanders was responsible for all of his supporters, which of course is a losing proposition. We have over 10.6 million people on Twitter, and 99.9% of them are decent human beings, are working people, are people who believe in justice, compassion, and love. And if there are a few people who make ugly remarks, who attack trade union leaders, I disown those people. They are not part of our movement. Senator, when when you say that you disown these attacks and you didn't personally direct them, I believe you. Well, thank but, you. It is, but at a certain point, you got to ask yourself, why did this pattern arise? Why is it especially the case among your supporters? I don't think it is especially. 
Okay, so again, this is just weak need stuff from, from Mayor Pete. Eventually, Amy Klobuchar tired of this. I keep pitching this because it was fan-freaking-pastic. I mean, when she went after him, it was great, and we're going to get to that shortly. And then Warren, again, jumping into the fray. So Warren jumped in. She was basically like Leonardo DiCaprio with the flamethrower in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just spraying fire everywhere for no apparent reason, by the way. I mean, really, she's out of the race, but she is, she's just going after everybody. She decides to go after Buttigieg and Klobuchar and Bernie on health care even though her healthcare plan is the most unpopular one of all because she actually spelled out what she meant. And what she meant was absolute nonsense. Here she was attacking everybody. Mayor Buttigieg really has a slogan that was thought up by his consultants to paper over a thin version of a plan that would leave millions of people unable to afford their health care. It's not a plan, it's a PowerPoint. And Amy's plan is even less. It's like a post-it note, insert plan here. Bernie started very much, uh, has a good start, but instead of expanding and bringing in more people to help, uh, instead his campaign relentlessly attacks everyone who asks a question or tries to fill in details about how to actually make this work. And then his own advisors say, yeah, probably won't happen anyway. Okay, every, everything she's saying is basically true, but it is hilarious to say, Bernie attacks everyone as she's literally attacking every single person on the stage. Every single person, like one by one. Then you get the cutaways of them. Mayor Pete going and, and Amy going, Klobuchar going and, and Pete and Bernie Sanders going. Just fantastic, fantastic stuff. So as I say, all of this is ancillary to the main point, which is that everybody was attacking Bloomberg last night. And as I say, because Michael Bloomberg is not Donald Trump and because he apologizes for everything in the first 45 minutes, it was a bad night for him. Here is a perfect example of that. Clip 13, Michael Bloomberg talks about stop and frisk. And he talks about how embarrassed he is by one of the policies that brought down crime dramatically in his own city. Well, if I go back and look at my time in office, the one thing that I'm um, really worried about, embarrassed about, was how it turned out um, with stop and frisk. OK, that, that is such a mistake. And, and this was the first 45 minutes of the debate. Again, as we'll get to, Bloomberg actually issued a statement after the debate saying, well, the first 45 minutes sucked, but then it was good. Brilliant, dude. Brilliant. In just a second, we're going to get to more of the Rock'em Sock'em robots that took place last night. Was just ridiculous. Ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. Bernie Sanders emerges as the clear front runner. At this point, he already was going in. Nobody touched him, really. Bloomberg hit him. Not sure how telling it's going to be. We'll get to the more. There's even more fun stuff, guys. It's so much fun. We'll get to so many great moments. It's like I'm, I'm doing trailers for the movie. We're going to get to it in just one second. First, it's super easy to get into credit card debt. It really is, right? You start off, you take a bit, you take on a little bit of credit card debt and then you figure, okay, I'll pay it off. And then you get just a little bit behind and then those credit card charges start racking up and racking up and racking up. What you need to do if you're a responsible person and you've gotten into credit card debt is consolidate those loans. The best way to do this, get a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Rates are as low as 5.95 APR with auto pay, much lower than the national average interest rate on credit cards, which can be over 20% APR. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 with absolutely no fees. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. That's exactly what they delivered. Here's how one of their customers describes their experience. Quote, I heard the radio ad and said it was worth looking at. I was a little skeptical because I'd never done anything like this online before. To my great surprise, the loan process was simple and easy to navigate through. I wish all loans were this efficient. Again, if you're racking up that credit card debt, it can really be a burden on you and on your family. Instead, go get it solved by checking out lightstream.com. My listeners right now can apply to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get the discount, lightstream.com slash Shapiro. That is L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash Shapiro, lightstream.com slash Shapiro. Subject credit approval rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply. Offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Shapiro for more information. Alrighty, so the, the Rock'em Sock'em robots continued. And again, it was mostly attacks on Bloomberg. Just mostly attacks on Bloomberg. So Bloomberg does that apology. Right? He does that little apology over stop and frisk. And Elizabeth Warren is having none of it because she was just a hammer last night. All she was interested in was breaking things, not in helping her campaign, not in going after the person who actually has all of her voting base, Bernie Sanders, but again, performing that Chris Christie, Marco Rubio ritual murder-suicide on stage, Elizabeth Warren, clip 15. 
When the mayor says that he apologized, listen very closely to the apology. The language he used is about stop and frisk. It's about how it turned out. Now, this isn't about how it turned out. This is about what it was designed to do to begin with. It targeted communities of color. It targeted black and brown men from the beginning. And if you want to issue a real apology, then the apology has to start with the intent of the plan as it was put together and the willful ignorance day by day by day of admitting what was happening even as people protested in your own street, shutting out the sounds of people telling you how your own policy was All breaking right. their Senator, lives. Okay. You need a different apology. Senator, this, is, okay, now, this is why Michael Bloomberg should never have apologized. Look, he's a moron. What Bloomberg should have done is he should have said, Senator Warren, you're a damn liar. If your suggestion is that stop and frisk was specifically designed to go after black and Hispanic men, you're going to have to explain why we saved so many black and Hispanic lives with stop and frisk policy. It was not designed to go after black and Hispanic men. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. It's ridiculous on its face. Policies that are designed to go after black and Hispanic men are ones that are specifically designed to go after black and Hispanic men, not policies approved by the Supreme Court as aspects of the Fourth Amendment when there's reasonable suspicion that a person is carrying a gun in violation of the law in New York City, for example. Okay, Bloomberg should have just called her a liar on stage, but instead he decided to pansy out and he, and he paid the price for it. He did it again. He did this again and again with Warren. This is what killed him last night. So here's Elizabeth Warren going after Bloomberg on his NDAs. Now I'll tell you what Bloomberg should have said. He had, a, he had an excellent comeback available to him, but he, he didn't use it because instead he was pansying out because either he or his advisors believed that if he could just sort of weather the storm, all would be well, which really does raise the question, why did this idiot bother to do the debate in the first place? Like, if you're going to drop $300 million in ads, why do you need to be on stage? What if you just said, listen, I'm not, I'm not getting in this clown car with these idiots. I'm not doing this thing. I'm not getting in this, in this reservoir dogs warehouse. Like, why, why would I do that? I, I'm just going to stand over here and you guys murder each other. And then when Super Tuesday comes, we'll see how you do. And Donald Trump did that, by the way. And there was a debate that Donald Trump fully skipped because he didn't feel like doing it. Bloomberg could have done that. He's not on any of the ballots for two weeks. But instead, he decided to jump in early and he got clobbered for it. Here's Elizabeth Warren and Michael Bloomberg being just an absolute moron about defense of his own conduct, which, again, let me explain something. There's nothing wrong with non-disclosure agreements. Non-disclosure agreements are a feature of every business. They're a feature of a business because when you run a large business with a lot of employees, with large amounts of gross money running through them, it turns out people sometimes have, sometimes have an incentive to spill information that they believe will benefit them after they leave your employ, which they are not entitled to, and or sue you for reasons that are unsubstantiated in order to get a settlement from you. This is why NDAs exist. This is why confidentiality provisions exist. Every single company in America with more than 10 employees has them. Every single one. Okay, Bloomberg could have said that, and, and, and what he should have said is he should have said to Elizabeth Warren, and by the way, you'd know that if you'd ever run a business, you idiot. Right? If, you, if you'd run a business, you would know that NDAs are a part of every agreement, and no, I'm not going to waive the requirements of NDAs so that a bunch of people who now more than ever are politically and financially driven to spill information about my company that either is taken out of context or damaging for the perusal of people like you, no, I'm not releasing people from NDAs. I've run a business. When you run a business, you can decide how you run a business. But no, I'm not going to pretend that everybody who makes an allegation against my business is telling the truth because that's not true. Again, anyone who's ever run a business understands that when you are a business with a large amount of money flowing through you, this is now a big bag of cash that people sometimes see as a way of grabbing a little money by violating an NDA, by threatening a lawsuit, by making allegations that are unsubstantiated. This, stu this stuff happens all the time. Why do you think places have HR departments? HR departments exist specifically for this. Bloomberg should have said no one here has run a successful business or any business for that matter. So no, I'm not going to take advice on business from you, Elizabeth Warren, you useless, you useless lady. I'm not going to take any piece of advice on business from you. There's a reason I'm worth $60 billion and you are worth a, a closet full of Ann Taylor loft leftovers. I mean, that, that's, that's what he should have said, but that's not what he says. Instead, instead he goes to well, I, no, no, no. Just dumbassery of high order for Michael Bloomberg here.
He has gotten some number of women, dozens, who knows, to sign non-disclosure agreements, both for sexual harassment and for gender discrimination in the workplace. So, Mr. Mayor, are you willing to release all of those women from those non-disclosure agreements so we can hear their side of the story? We have a very few non-disclosure agreements. None of them accuse me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like the joke I told. And let me just and let me put there's agreements between two parties that wanted to keep it quiet and that's up to them. They signed those agreements and we'll live with it. So wait, when you say it is up to, I just want to be clear. Some is how many? And, and when you and when you say they signed them and they wanted them, if they wish now to speak out and tell their side of the story about what it is they allege, that's now okay with you? You're releasing them on television tonight? Senator, no. Is that right? Senator, the company and somebody else, in this case, a man or a woman, or could be more than that, they decided when they made an agreement that they wanted to keep it quiet for everybody's no. interest. I said we're not going to get to end these agreements because they were made consensually and they have every right to expect that they will stay private. Okay, he's getting openly booed about all of this. Again, his best answer here is, I run a business. You don't run a business because you're stupid. Because you're a government service hack. Because you spent your entire life writing bullcrap about bankruptcy that's unsubstantiated. So how about this? How about I handle my business and you handle your business? And I explain to you in very basic terms, using small words and short, complete sentences, what a non-disclosure agreement is. And you, everybody on the stage, all yous who don't understand how business works, you shove it. Right? That's exactly what he should have said. But of course, he wouldn't say that. Instead, he goes to, well, no, they consented to the non-disclosure agreement. And so we're going we're gonna to hold to that. And so Elizabeth Warren asks the obvious follow-up question. Okay, what if they want to get out of it now? You willing to let them out of it? And he's like, no, I'm not. So then it isn't about current consent, right? Now it's about they signed an agreement. What he should say is, of course, they signed an agreement. That is a condition of employment for all the reasons I've already listed. But again, Bloomberg wouldn't stand up for himself. He wouldn't, it was only very, especially against Warren, it was only very late in the debate. He stood up for himself. And then it got kind of good. Okay, meanwhile, Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar despise one another, despise one another. And it is amusing, very amusing. So I'm going to give you just a taste of this. Okay, so here's Pete Buttigieg. Okay, so here, here's one of the problems with Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg is more produced than Taylor Swift, right? Everything about Pete Buttigieg is produced from all of his stories about like, oh, I learned Norwegian in order to read a novel to here I am, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, a small town, but really a microcosm of America. The things like like South Bend, Indiana, I'm sure it's pleasant. South Bend, Indiana has about as many members as my as my synagogue. Like there are 100,000 members of, of South Bend, Indiana. He got 8,000 votes. Okay, and, and so his, his thing has been that he is essentially a Boy Scout and an untouchable Boy Scout at that. And that he is perfect. He is perfect. He has never made a mistake, Pete Buttigieg, ever in his entire life. No mistakes. Okay, so he decides to go after Amy Klobuchar on the stupidest possible topic. His, like something that gets under his skin. What gets under Pete Buttigieg's skin? That Amy Klobuchar was asked over the last few days whether she knew the name of the president of Mexico. And she admitted that she did not. For the record, his name is Andres Manuel Luis Lopez Obrador. Okay, that, that is his name. But who cares? Like, honestly, who cares? People make mental flubs all the time. Also, easy answer to this question. If you don't know the name of a president of a foreign country, you are vying to be president of the United States. You know what's more important? That they know your name. That they know your name. Because Marika. Okay, that, that's a perfectly fine answer, an acceptable answer. You don't know something about, like, the president of Botswana? And you're like, yeah, I don't know his name. That's why I have a State Department. And we get together, I'm sure I'll know his name and we'll have good conversations. Okay, but Pete Buttigieg decides to go after Amy Klobuchar as though she's stupid. And Amy Klobuchar is having none of it. And she basically picks up the podium and hits him with it. But you're staking your candidacy on your Washington experience. You're on the committee that oversees border security. You're on the committee that does trade. You're literally in part of the committee that's overseeing these things. And we're not able to speak to literally the first thing about the politics of the country you, to ourselves. Are you trying to say that I'm dumb or are you mocking me here, Pete? I'm I saying that you shouldn't trivialize I made an error. People sometimes forget names. He's basically saying that I don't have 
have the experience to be President of the United States. I have passed over 100 bills as a lead Democrat since being in the U.S. Senate. I am the one, not you, that has won statewide in congressional district after congressional district. And I will say, when you tried in Indiana, Pete, to run, what happened to you? You lost by over 20 points to someone who later lost to my friend Joe Donnelly. So don't tell me about experience. <laughs> it got, by the way, it got better than that. That was not even the best clip of Amy Klobuchar just turning full on Fargo and feeding him face first into a wood chipper and richly deserved because that is a dude who loves himself. I mean, Pete Buttigieg is self-righteous beyond all possible measure and Amy Klobuchar was having none of it. Okay, we'll get to more of this in just one second because this is just a bevy of ads for Donald Trump against Democrats. Donald Trump was a big winner last night. There's no question. Of all the winners last night, Donald Trump was one. The other presumably was Marianne Williamson who may still be the nominee depending on if people turn their hearts to light and away from darkness. But we'll get to all of this in just one second. First, let's talk about one of the ways that you get healthier, and that is you got to change your habits. You know, people will talk about workout. People will talk about diet. But the fact is, unless you're willing to change how you think about workout and diet, unless you're willing to change the habits that shape how you act, none of it's going to matter. And this is why you need Noom. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Noom doesn't tell you what to do and what not to do. It teaches you how to look inside your own mind and make better decisions for yourself. It's as much psychology as it is working out nutrition. Noom has one of the biggest, most accurate food databases available. It lets you track meal habits, visualize portion sizes, and see calorie density at a glance. We're all strapped for time. Noom asks you to commit just 10 minutes a day for yourself. I've used Noom personally. My parents have used Noom personally. It has helped me drop a little bit of weight. It's helped me make sure that the habits in which I am engaging are good for me. You don't have to change everything in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash Shapiro. You have nothing to lose except the weight and maybe some bad habits. Visit Noom.com slash Shapiro to start your trial today. That is N-O-O-M dot com slash Shapiro. I'm a big advocate of healthy living. Go check out Noom.com slash Shapiro and start that trial today. Okay, if you thought the lead up to 2016 was insane, um, you ain't seen nothing yet. The best place to keep you up to date on all the insanity right here at Daily Wire. If you're not a member, you are missing out on a ton of amazing content and new features. Right now, you'll get 10% off any membership plan you choose when you use promo code Shapiro. Members get our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts and show library, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro Show, select bonus content, access to the mailbag, and more. Plus, our new all-access tier gets you into exclusive live online Q&A discussions with me, Andrew Clavin, Matt Walsh, Michael Moles, plus Daily Wire writers and special guests. Don't forget, you also get the greatest of all beverage vessels, the leftist tiers tumbler. Again, that's 10% off any plan when you use promo code Shapiro. Head on over to Daily Wire today and join the party. That's dailywire.com and use promo code Shapiro for 10% off any plan. Great deal. Dailywire.com. Come join us here at the fast, the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So in this debate, eventually it began to dawn on Michael Bloomberg that he was going to have to actually defend himself that it was not good for him to be lying flat out in a spread eagle waiting to be attacked and fed upon by the harpies of the Democratic Party. So this began, I think, when he started to realize that Bernie Sanders is, is actually a danger. Right? So the, like one of the things that Bernie said in the middle of this debate, which will lose him Pennsylvania, is he said he wants a full-on ban on fracking. Good luck with that. You don't need jobs fracking provides in Pennsylvania. Like it's more than coal in West Virginia. I mean, when, when you talk fracking in Pennsylvania, not only are you talking about an excellent industry, that has actually lowered carbon emissions, the substitution of natural gas via fracking for oil in the United States means that we are the world's number one decreaser of carbon emissions over the past several years. It also provides tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of jobs in places like Pennsylvania. Here is Bernie Sanders openly announcing that he's going to ban fracking nationwide. Good luck winning swing states with us. You want a total ban on nat natural gas extraction, yep. fracking in the next five years. What do you tell these workers? It's supporting a big industry right now, sir. What I tell these workers is that the scientists are telling us that if we don't act incredibly boldly within the next six, seven years, there will be irreparable damage done, not just to Nevada, not just to Vermont or Massachusetts, but to the entire world. Good luck with all this. Good luck with us. So finally, Bloomberg has had enough of this. And he says, listen, you know, you guys keep talking about business and the economy and you're all horrible at this, like horrible at it. He says, if you're going to talk about business, maybe you might want to talk about the person who's earned a buck, like who's actually not a ward of the taxpayers. Here's, here's Bloomberg finally deciding that he's had enough of this nonsense. 
But I was going to say, we maybe want to talk about businesses. I'm the only one here that I think that's ever started a business. Is that fair? Okay. <laughs> and everybody goes silent because, of course, none of them have ever started a business. Okay, that, that should make a difference. That doesn't mean that you have to start a business to be a great politician. It does mean that if you've never had any experience with a business, but you're telling every business owner in America you know what's best for the economy and your business, maybe you should shut up a little bit and read a book, for God's sake. Yeah, and Bloomberg eventually was not having it directly from Sanders. So Sanders goes after Bloomberg and suggests that Bloomberg is responsible for corrupt politics in America. And Bloomberg's like, um, dude, you've been in the Senate since 1637. Here is, here is Bloomberg going right back at Sanders. You know, when we talk about a corrupt political system bought by billionaires like Mr. Bloomberg, it manifests itself in a tax code in which not only is Amazon and many other major corporations, some owned by the wealthiest people in this country, not paying a nickel in taxes, we have the insane situation that billionaires today, if you can believe it, have an effective tax rate lower than the middle class. So Senator, maybe just the tax code. Why are you complaining? What? Who wrote the code? You, you and did. Your, you and your you campaign. And time, you and, your- <laughs> and he's exactly right. Bloomberg's like, what are you talking about? You were there, you jerk. Like, what are you? You're going to complain like you weren't part of the system. You are the system. This is one of Bernie's great charms is that he can be in Washington, D.C. as part of the system for his entire adult life and then pretend that he was absent somewhere. Maybe he was. Maybe he was busy drinking shirtless in the Soviet Union. It didn't stop there. Bloom, uh, Bloomberg finally, I mean, he had had enough. He had had enough. Clip 25. Here is Sanders doing the M- Michael Bloomberg didn't earn his money. It was all the workers at Bloomberg who earned the money through their not investing in any of the equipment, taking any of the risk and earning a pretty generous salary from Bloomberg, who did pay quite well as the employer over at Bloomberg. I mean, this is well known. Bloomberg's company paid great. Okay, but here is here is Sanders going after Bloomberg and suggesting that Sanders is greedy because, of course, Bloomberg has uh, Sanders saying that Bloomberg is greedy because Bloomberg has money. Mr. Bloomberg, wasn't you who made all that money. Maybe your workers played some role in that as well. And it is important that those workers are able to share the benefits. Also, when we have so many people who go to work every day and they feel not good about their jobs, they feel like cogs in a machine. I want workers to be able to sit on corporate boards as well so they can have some say over what happens to their lives. Mayor Bloomberg, you own a large company. Would you support what Senator Sanders is proposing? Absolutely not. I can't think of a ways that would make it easier for Donald Trump to get reelected than listening to this conversation. <laughs> it's ridiculous. We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. Other countries tried that. It was called communism, and it just didn't work. Oh, and then Warren and, and Sanders like, oh, you said communism. Oh, no, we're not communists. And then Bernie goes, oh, no, we like Denmark. It's just like Denmark. Really? So then why have you spent your entire adult life defending communist regimes? Like People are like, oh, that's an unfair hit. by That is a perfectly fair hit by Bloomberg. Sanders is a commie. He is not a social democrat. He is not. He's not. His entire career has been spent defending communist dictatorships. Many aspects of communist dictatorships, ranging from their healthcare systems to the way they treat their workers to breadlines. Yeah, you don't get to play that card. Good for Bloomberg. Good for Bloomberg. And then Bloomberg gets in what was the best hit of the night. Like everybody's ignoring this because there were so many hits early against Bloomberg. And really, the first hour of the debate matters the most because that's when the most people are watching. But the most brutal hit of the night was this hit by Michael Bloomberg on Bernie Sanders. It just demonstrates full scale. Nobody in the media knows what they are doing. Or at least if they do, they're garbage at their jobs. Garbage. Hot, flaming dumpster fires of garbage. Entire landfills on fire of garbage. Half of Earth on fire filled with garbage. That is the media. Because let me be frank about this. I do not know a conservative in America who has not made some comments about the fact that Bernie Sanders has a lake house. This is a fairly obvious attack on a man who claims billionaires are bad, who used to claim that millionaires and billionaires are bad, but then he became a millionaire and then he started defending millionaires. Then he was like, anybody can write a book. Everybody can have a lake house. And it's like, oh, welcome to the party, Bernie. You old commie bastard, you. Okay, so Bloomberg finally had had enough. Again, this was the, it was great. Bloomberg finally was like, okay, F this man, done. If this had been Bloomberg all night, by the way, he actually would be a front runner, but he was not. He was apologetic for the first two thirds of the debate. Here's Bloomberg going after Bernie with a hatchet. And Bernie has no answer to the most obvious question ever asked to Bernie Sanders because the media have been acting as both his shield and his spear. Here's Bloomberg asking the most obvious question in human history and Bernie having no answer because it's great to be an old commie. The left will defend you to the death, including members of the media. 
What a wonderful country we have. The best known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What I miss here? Well, you'll miss that I work in Washington, House 1. That's the first problem. Live in Burlington, House 2. That's good. And like thousands of other Vermonters, I do have a summer camp. Forgive me for that. Where is your home? Which tax tax haven do you have your home? New York City, thank you very much. And I pay all my taxes. Okay, I mean, Bernie has no answer to that. How does he think that's an answer? Like, how does he even think that's a good answer? That's amazing. His friends say, I have one in Washington and one in Vermont. And I have a summer camp. Really? You have like a full camp out there? Like with kids and swings and everything? I have a summer camp. By the way, it's not just a summer home. It's like a $600,000 lakefront property. So (coughs) that was pretty fantastic. It really was. And he is correct. Bernie is a rich human. He's a rich human with a summer home. And... I promise you that if the Democrats think that's going away, Donald Trump will go to Bernie Sanders' lake house. He will pry up a board from the floorboards. He will bring it to a debate and he will beat Bernie to death with it, figuratively speaking. He will do, if you think that that's the last time Bernie's heard about the lake house, you got a lot of things wrong about modern American politics, my friend, because Bernie deserves every bit of that, every bit of it. But as I said, my, my favorite moments of the debate actually was, was not even that. That was pretty great. There've been a lot of great moments. My, clip 29. This is my favorite moment. This is when Amy Klobuchar finally decides that she's already decided she's had enough of, of Pete. That, that, that this little pipsqueak who's, who's won 8,000 votes in Indiana being the moderate choice. Well, simultaneously, like in 2000, the man wrote like a full paper on, on the wonders of Bernie Sanders' socialist agenda. He is not a moderate in any way. Amy Klobuchar finally was like, okay, you know, all of this, all of this put together, Taylor Swift produced kind of stuff. Like enough of that. Here is, here is Amy Klobuchar dropping the bomb on Pete. We stood up for those rights and stood with members of our community with the message that they were as American as we are. A los soñadores hay que decir que este país es tu país también. I wish everyone was as perfect as you, Pete, but let me tell you what it's like to be in the arena. <laughs> and you can see how mad he is. He's so mad because she's right. She's right. Mayor Pete's never had to do anything. He fixed sidewalks in Indiana. In Indiana. Okay, so it was glorious all the way around. Final analysis. Big winners and big looners and big losers. Big winner, obviously Donald Trump. Right? President Trump is obviously the big winner in all of this. President Trump, they issued his, his Trump world issued a statement with Kayleigh McEnany issuing this, uh, this statement. The Democratic Party is in the midst of a full-scale meltdown. Americans are watching the party of JFK be torn apart by anti-job socialists and anti-worker globalists who want to control every aspect of Americans' lives. This train wreck is nothing compared to what they would do to our country. None of these candidates will be able to go toe-to-toe with President Trump in November. Fact check, true. Bernie Blo- uh, Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg, announced in a statement, yeah, our first 45 minutes sucked. Right? They actually put out a statement. You know you're a winner when you are drawing attacks from all the candidates. Everyone came to destroy Mike tonight. It didn't happen. Everyone wanted him to lose his cool. He didn't do it. He was the grown-up in the room. It took Mike just three months to build a stronger campaign than the rest of the field has built in more than a year. It took him just 45 minutes in his first debate in 10 years to get his legs on stage. That is an admission that his first 45 minutes stunk. It's a disaster area out there. And Joe Biden, by the way, remember Joe? You know, I played a single clip of Joe because he's dead. I regret to announce that Joe Biden is officially deceased. I, uh, maybe the reports of his death are premature, but I think not. I think that he may not, in fact, be a living human being. He's already downplaying the idea that he has to win South Carolina, which means he's just going to carry this thing on. Good luck to him. Bernie's going to be the nominee, guys. That's the bottom line. Bernie's going to be the nominee. Elizabeth Warren decided to kill everyone except for Bernie. Bernie decided to go after Bloomberg, and Bloomberg appropriately hit him back. Pete and Amy were busy fighting with each other, a la the, uh, a la the honeymooners. I mean, it was just, it was, it was really, it was really great. It was really great to see. The only downside is we're going to get an old commie as the head of the Democratic Party. So good luck to good luck to all of us, each and every one, Tiny Tim. Okay, time for a quick thing that I like, and then we'll do a quick thing that I hate. So things that I like, that whole debate. Like, really, it was great. Really entertaining. Why could we have not had that? Why could we have not had that, like, the whole time? But other things that I like. There's a movie that was reviewed poorly because people don't like basic patriotic American movies anymore, and you're not allowed to make them. I mentioned this about Air Force One the other day, that, that if Air Force One were made today, people would be saying, jingoistic, terrible. Now, if you made it during a Democrat administration, then it would be wonderful, rem- reminding us what makes America great. Okay, well, another one of these movies that, that was recently made was a movie called Midway. Roland Emmerich, who did Independence Day, did it. And the movie's pretty great. It really is. It's enjoyable. Okay, it's not just enjoyable, it's historically accurate. It basically 
is about it's about the Battle of Midway, but it basically takes you from Pearl Harbor all the way forward to the Battle of Midway, tracing a bunch of the key figures. And it is history, fact-filled, well-shot, well-acted. It's good. It's a good movie. The critics didn't like it because it was too straightforward. What they want is that America was bad in the Pacific. Lest people forget, the Japanese Imperial Army was pretty brutal, vicious, and evil. And this movie doesn't let you forget it. Here is, uh, here's a little bit of the trailer from Midway. We got the order to launch. We need to throw a punch so they know what it feels like to be hit. We're talking about a couple dozen planes against all Japanese fleet. This isn't a fair fight. And by the way, it is true that if the United States loses the Battle of the Midway, very good shot the United States does not actually win World War II and that at least the west coast of the United States is under direct attack. So people forget about Battle of the Midway. They remember Iwo Jima because of the famous imagery. They remember all the battles in Europe. The Battle of the Midway because the naval battle doesn't get the kind of attention that it should. So go uh, go check out Midway. It's available on rental today, and it is quite good. It's definitely, definitely worth the watch. Very enjoyable, very patriotic. The kind of movie that you didn't think that Hollywood would make anymore. Pretty pretty great stuff. Okay, time for a thing that I hate. I live in California. My state is garbage. My state is just terrible. I have the right to say that. It's a hellhole. I can say that because I've been here my entire life. I was born in California. I was raised in California. I was married in California. Well, I, well, I was married in Israel and California. And, uh, and I've lived my entire life in California. Really, like, except for three years where I was in Cambridge, Massachusetts, hanging out with the, uh, the Elizabeth Warren group. Except for that, I've been in California my entire life, and it is getting progressively worse. And I use the word progressively advisedly, because the more progressive it grows, the dumber it grows. So we decided we were going to elect an idiot Kendall as the, as the governor of the state of California. This Kendall said he was going to solve homelessness in San Francisco and completely failed to do so, instead helping turn San Francisco into a poop-filled needle mess. And then we were like, oh, let's make him governor. And he has presidential aspirations, does Gavin Newsom. So Gavin Newsom gave his state of the state address the other day. And in his state of the state address, he addressed the fact that California has become the world's leading center of homelessness, or at least the America's leading center of homelessness. We have, by the way, something like 65,000 homeless people counted in Los Angeles County alone, like Dodger Stadium worth of homeless people in L.A. County. You cannot walk down the street, any street in Los Angeles without people engaging in public urination or defecation or needle use. I believe it was... Herbert Hoover, who promised a chicken in every pot. In L.A., they promised a homeless person on every bench. Their great solution was that they were going to put bars on the benches, like in the middle of the bench, that homeless people can't actually lie across the benches. And it turns out that human beings being adaptable, homeless people have been just throwing blankets over those bars and then just sleeping right over them. Like, they don't really care. So it's, 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 become, it's a wonderful city. And we pay exorbitant taxes. And, and California as a state, we pay unbelievably high taxes, the highest tax rates in the nation, 13.3 top income tax bracket. And it kicks in at like, I think $100,000 a year or something. It's, it's very, very low kicking. Anyway, Gavin Newsom gave his State of the State address in which he said it was a disgrace we have so much homelessness, conveniently forgetting that um, he is the governor and was also the mayor of San Francisco and is horrible at both jobs. Let's call it what it is. It's a disgrace that the richest state in the richest nation succeeding across so many sectors is falling so far behind to properly house heal, and humanely treat so many of its own people. Every day, the California dream is is dimmed by the wrenching reality of families, children, and seniors living unfed on a concrete bed. Okay, well, um, you know who's responsible for that? That would be like uh, you and the Democrats who have run Sacramento virtually my entire adult lifetime. And you, you may have something to do with that, do you not? So what proposals did Gavin Newsom bring to the table on homelessness? Well, as a Ken doll, there's not a lot between the ears. So Gavin Newsom brought a few proposals. Here's one of his proposals. He says, what if we just like said that people have a legal right to shelter? What if we just said that? Now, last I checked, when you say somebody has a legal right to a thing, this carries with it a couple implications. One, either nothing happens because you declared it a right and it doesn't materialize. For example, there's a right to housing in the South African constitution. Homelessness in South Africa, a very large thing. You can declare anything a right. That doesn't mean it materializes. If I declare that you have a right to pancakes this morning, I'm not going to make it the pancakes. Nobody's going to make it the pancakes. The pancakes ain't going to appear. If I declare that you have a right to housing, that does not make the housing appear. 
Or is Gavin Newsom saying that if you have a legal right to housing, you can now sue the state to provide you the housing, which means that the state will be forced to raise taxes to build the housing? Or does it mean that the state can force developers to rent out their properties at rates that are non-beneficial, lowering development, causing increased taxes, causing increased spending on garbage public housing, which will promptly be wrecked by homeless people because a lot of those homeless people, in order to clean out, would actually need to abide by certain restrictions, but you can't have those restrictions because you have a legal right to housing. In other words, this is idiocy. But here is Gavin Newsom doing the idiotic thing because welcome to California. In order to get the job done, we've got to match this new money with a new legal obligation to address the crisis head on. Requiring that any new funding isn't replacing existing spending, but creating new solutions. Some have recommended a legal right to shelter. I know it's a provocative idea, which has forced this state to explore the limits of what local governments can be compelled to do. But right now, our imperative, I believe, must be about bringing governments together as working partners, not sparring partners in a court of law. So um, if, if you give everybody a legal right to shelter, that you're making everybody sparring partners in a court of law. That's, that's what it does. I mean, you've now cast it into the courts, which is the entire purpose, of course. Then he says, what if doctors could write prescriptions for housing? What if they could write prescriptions for housing? What the hell is he talking about? Now, not to put too fine a point on it, but as you know, I have a close relationship with a doctor, a close sexual relationship with a doctor, my wife. I know, hot. But my wife should not be able to write prescriptions for housing because that's idiocy. She, she's, she doesn't know anything about housing. She's a doctor. She can write a prescription for drugs. She can write a prescription for pharmaceuticals. She can write a prescription for a follow-up appointment. She can't write a prescription for a two-bedroom condo in Studio City. What the hell are you talking about, Gavin Newsom? And Gavin Newsom doesn't understand how doctors work. So here he is explaining that doctors should write prescriptions for housing. Healthcare and housing can no longer be divorced. After all, what's more fundamental to a person's well-being than a roof over their head? Doctors, doctors should be able to write prescriptions for housing the same way they do for insulin and antibiotics. What in the, what? Okay, but the good news is that Gavin Newsom says that what has really helped Californians is that we are now providing tax-free tampons and diapers. This is what's helping Californians save money. So we've really, we've really fixed all the problems, guys. Now, obviously the answer to a lot of the homelessness problems in the state of California is to lower taxes, increase investment, increase investment in development, release people from rent control, and criminalize people who are trespassing or engaging in public drug use, public defecation, make sure that people either are forced into mandatory drug rehab or that they are treated in ways that they need to be treated if they're mentally ill, they get the drugs that they need, right? But, but he's not going to do any of that stuff. Instead, he's just going to talk about how, yeah, sure, we got hundreds of thousands of homeless people across the state of California. What if we declared a legal right or put it on doctors? And also, here's some free tampons. The working parent with more money in her pocket, thanks to expanded paid family leave, a $1,000 family tax credit and, and lower costs due to tax-free diapers and tampons. Yep, well, and woo, California, man. Sure, open needles on the streets, poop on the corner, walking by that stuff with your kids in residential areas, but those diapers are tax-free, guys. Don't you feel better now? Don't you feel better? This state is trash. It's a good good news. Why don't why don't we like take that and just expand it across the whole nation? Democrats do such a great job. They do such a great job. All right. We'll be back here later today with a couple additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow for all of the recap, all of the follow-out as Bernie Sanders charges headlong across the across the nation's Democratic primaries, taking a break every so often at his Stalinesque Dasha over near over near Moscow. Well, we'll get to that tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, technical producer Austin Stevens, playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan, associate producer Katie Swinnerton, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. 
The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey, everyone. It's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Mike Bloomberg fell short at the debate last night after Pocahontas drew her tomahawk and cut him down to size. We'll talk about that and other cheap height jokes on The Andrew Claven Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 